Hi, I'm Tom Henriksen from My IT Career Coach, where we build great tech careers. And welcome to Tech Career Talk. Today, we're going to talk about being a technical leader with Dustin Thosenson. Dustin, introduce yourself to the people here at Tech Career Talk. Hey, Tom. Great seeing you again. It's been a long time. We've had a lot of good memories. Um, I have been spending about 20 years in the IT field. I grew up in, in central Minnesota, so if you hear some long O's, you'll understand why. I uh, went to college and studied business computer information systems, and I wanted to be a programmer. But what I found interesting about uh, the BCIS degree is that we learned business and we learned technology, and we learned that we should be using technology to solve business problems and not just use technology for technology's sake. And that really stuck with me because through my career, I found that I've looked at the problems that I've been asked to solve. And oftentimes my instinct is to write code and to code my way out of the problem. But in many cases, I didn't really focus on why we were trying to solve the problem in the first place or to see what other possibilities were. And as my career had progressed from being a developer in various companies to um, being a consultant, I really started to look and ask some harder questions such as, why are we trying to solve this problem? What does a, a, a successful solution look like? And, and how can we achieve that instead of just sticking with the comfortable how? So over my career, as I mentioned, I've worked at a variety of companies uh, in the financial industry, in agriculture industry, um, uh, some marketing industries. And I've learned that a lot of the technical problems are the same. A lot of the business problems are the same. But as I mentioned, I can focus on the how and I can get very deep into that. But if I have a better understanding of the what and the why, to me, that makes a lot of sense. And I don't know that people are always asking those questions in order to make sure that they're building the right type of solutions. When I first got introduced to Agile in the very early 2000s, I was able to work with some teams that were trying to find better ways where they could work together and be more effective in what they did instead of just uh, focusing on their own individual contributions and kind yeah. of locally optimizing. They, they thought of the system a little bit more. And that made a lot of sense to me. It resonated a lot. And through my career, through the next 15 years, I found that more companies were starting to understand that and, and want to solve problems in those ways. So I've really been spending a lot of time not just focusing on how to create their best code, but really how to help these companies solve their business problems using yeah. technology in many cases. So yeah. Dustin, you brought up something and I want to touch on because you have had an interesting career progression. You know, a lot of developers will stay at the same company or perhaps, you know, stay within the same stack and shift different companies, but you've kind of, you know, you've really grown your career in, in a couple of different ways and just kind of talk to that a little bit. A couple of years ago, Tom, I came to the realization that if I had a, uh, a career mascot, it would be a hermit crab. <laughs> and I found that every time I was getting very comfortable in my shell, um, the shell was providing comfort but it was also limiting my growth. Mm. So I've learned to continue to look at different places uh, to put myself in uncomfortable positions and to kind of force myself to grow. Um, 
I'm sure you've had other people I've talked about imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's one thing that I've gone through like a lot of others, but I've found that uh, we're all kind of amateurs in our fields because hopefully we're looking for new things to try and, and recognizing that there's going to be some learning and some failures along the way. Mm-hmm. So as part of that, I spent about a decade as a, a full-time employee. I had five years at one company. That's my record. Yeah. And, and then I had uh, switched to consulting and jumped through a lot of different companies, uh, usually spending about you know two to three years at each place where I could understand their domain well and have an impact. But I found that I kept wanting to move to different positions to keep trying to learn more and to mm-hmm. understand more so I could be more effective. Now, and this is a few years ago, I remember you talked at Iowa Code Camp and you brought this up and I think this is a good point. Anyone who's considering going into consulting, you kind of brought up, you know, there's some dynamics there that you need to be aware of. And I guess to refresh your memory, you talked a little <laughs> bit about, you know, how you need to position yourself. And then two, from a, a monetary standpoint, you need, you know, sometimes people will look at salaries from consulting and full-time and, and compare them straight across. But you rightly pointed out, you know, there's a bit of risk involved in consulting and, and that you need to look for a premium. And then also too, um, not a, and I think you kind of brought this up too, you not always want to chase the money because you want to, as kind of as you were talking about, look for opportunities that, to grow your career as well. Uh, yeah, great points. Um, and, and I do recall the, the talk that um, you're referencing. Um, you know, when we look at motivations, there's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And yes, money is a very important thing. I've got a family, I've got four kids at home, mm-hmm. I need to support them. But those are extrinsic motivations. Um, there needs to be a lot of intrinsic motivations as well. So you need to make sure that your financial base is covered and you definitely need to recognize that uh, risk is involved as a consultant. Um, I've had many full-time employees uh, make snarky comments to say you consultants make so much money, but on the same hand, um, involved with that price, that premium is the ability for companies to cut your contract immediately. Mm-hmm. And I just talked to a friend on Friday and, and she had noted that her contract was just cut. Yep. So as part of that, I need to always have those three phone calls to know who I'm going to talk to next and what kind of opportunities I'd like to uh, explore. And I also need to make sure that I'm going to have the skills that the next company needs. So I'm, you know, I'm reading. I, I was at a conference last week again. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to people. I'm constantly learning where the industry is going what the needs are and I'm trying to keep my skills up so I can help solve problems for other people using the, the best methods and techniques that we know of. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing, and this I think kind of dovetails to what you're talking about of learning, but you've been pretty active in user groups, specifically the .NET user group I know back in Iowa, um, but talk to us a little bit about how user groups have really affected your career and um, yeah, user groups have been a, a tremendous, um, a tremendous, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of a, a, a trampoline, a boost for yeah. for my yeah. career. And, and I don't mean just in the financial side of things, but in the learning side of things. Early in my career, I was lucky enough to get an opportunity to teach at a community college. Uh, I taught a programming class at night for a decade. Mm-hmm. And that really helped me understand things better because I understood how the code worked, yeah. but to be able to explain it to somebody else, uh, that really forced me to understand it deeper and it helped me convey that to other people so they could learn that. 
when I started getting involved with the user group, I felt really bad that I had wasted five years of my career without realizing that user groups are around. Mm -hmm. I was going to these groups and they were talking about things and I had no idea what they were talking about. There was so much and I felt really stupid, which meant I needed to keep going. Eventually, I started to help lead the user group and just having conversations with people, listening to the experiences that others have had, it helped me understand things a lot better and pull it all together. And it also helped me give back to the community to continue to, to build up the people around me. Um, I found a lot of value in getting to know other people and learn from them, but I also got a lot of value out of helping other people as well. So I found that volunteering for that user group made a huge impact in my career. It helped me become better. It helped me um, meet some great people and have some wonderful networking opportunities. Um, eventually, you get to the point where you get to know a lot of people and you don't have to rely on uh, just your resume or your LinkedIn profile because you've got those connections. Mm-hmm. But it's not the, I don't feel it's a, a fake type of networking where you meet somebody at a conference and you become LinkedIn friends and you think you're going to get a job. I, I think it's the true um trust network where mm-hmm. we've spent time, we've spent time together and we know we can trust each other and you know that I'm not just telling you a bunch of words that I read off of a blog <laughs> that I might have used them in the right context yeah yeah exactly exactly well and, and to kind of come back to your career progression I know now you are working as as an agile coach and kind of a technical coach too so talk how and I think that's something a lot of people want to go through a transition maybe to try something like that Talk to us about maybe how you did that and kind of how that came about and and maybe some of the challenges involved in that. Great question. So through my career, I was a person who's motivated to learn and and oftentimes um, try to influence the people around me to do a little bit better. Um, And people would have problems with the service dropping. I'd make recommendations about, well, what can we do about it? Yes. Somebody else had dropped the ball on that, but what can we do to protect ourselves against this from the next time? Um, I've learned some techniques. Do you want to try to create some tests so we can have some tests that will let us know when their system is down or when we made a mistake? Um, I found ways to help people break down problems so we won't get overwhelmed and try to solve too many things at once. Mm. And I found that as I was going from job to job, I would often find myself in more of a leadership type of position, a, a lead slot where um, people would kind of turn to me for advice and I would lean on that more and more through my career until the point where I was doing a lot more of the coaching especially as we continued to have fresh faces join the industry. I think I heard uh, my friend Ryan Bergman say about every 10 years the number of programmers doubles so it's kind of like Moore's laws and we have a lot of people coming in that might not know all of these uh, you know best practices and and Mm -hmm. You know, kind of learn from all the failures of the people around us. Yeah. So as I've been going through that, I've found different ways to communicate with people, uh, different ways to motivate people, different ways to influence people. Mm-hmm. And I've also found myself needing to dig deeper into a lot of different topics. So I really understood it well enough to yeah. be able to help people understand it from where they're at. Um, as now I am a coach, I'm currently mm-hmm. helping a, um, a large financial company go through their um, Agile transformation. So they started from a pure waterfall environment. And now we have uh, 80% of the teams are set up as agile teams. Mm -hmm. We're recognizing that as we have teams 
selected and working together, we're facing new problems. Um, is the team working on the right, uh, the right problems? Are we understanding what our customer needs? Do mm -hmm. we know how to work with other teams so we can uh, scale our efforts? Yeah. Are we following the technical practices so as the teams want to move fast, they can do so with a high level of predictability, mm -hmm. quality, and throughput, yeah. and also, can we work to empower team members so they feel like they can make the right decisions and own what they do instead of asking permission or just waiting for somebody else to, to yeah. solve a problem for them. It, to me, that's what true agility really comes down to is that, that trust and empowerment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really key that trust and empowerment. I know I see that in a lot of places where if the, the leadership isn't willing to, you know, empower the team that, an agile movement can kind of bump into that and that can cause some maybe friction or, or push th things in a different way. Absolutely. And when you root cause a lot of problems that companies have, a lot of times you get down to trust. Mm -hmm. um, all the processes that we have is because at some point somebody broke trust, they yeah. made a mistake. Um, instead of looking forward, we look backward and we want to make sure that that never happens again. So we add more process and we add more process and pretty much we're doing things because that's how we've always done it and not because that's what we need to do. And my view is that I would love to just say, look, you need to trust each other and we need to move forward, but you have to build that trust up, especially when some companies have some, um, some more challenging cultures by developers and by the other team members taking ownership and showing that they're responsible and that they're doing the things to prove that they're doing uh, quality work, you, you start to earn that trust back. Yeah. It so, takes time though. Dustin, and you brought this up a little bit on how there's a lot of developers coming into the arena really right now and it doubles, as you said, what'd you say every 10 years or so. So what kind of advice would you give to someone, a new developer starting out? What was Tom? Got to help me out here. What was the the ten thousand hour book? Um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. You mm -hmm. need ten thousand hours of dedicated practice to become mm -hmm. an expert in your field. Yeah, and and that's even more interesting a technology because yeah. after ten thousand hours, most of the technology stack has changed already. <laughs> yes. Um, so my advice to them is recognize that um, you have 10,000 hours. Mm -hmm. And if you take a look at, I got to remember my numbers a little bit here. If you take a look at working a job 40 hours a week, that's uh, 2,080 hours a year. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, uh, the average amount of time that people watch TV is in the ballpark of 30 hours a week, I think. Mm -hmm. So when you're taking a look at, how much effort it's going to take to get to your 10,000 hours. Yeah. You have to be deliberate and you have to be dedicated. And if you want to make the most out of this career, which I think is just an amazing career, mm -hmm. I mean, take a look at where we are in history. Yeah. In the last 50 years, this phenomenal career came up, which is changing the way we do everything. Oh yeah. You have a, you have an opportunity as, as a new developer to have a tremendous impact in the world. Mm -hmm. And I would just say, invest your time. Don't, um, you know, spend some time with your friends and family. Spend some time with your, with your health and with your, um, your religious, your spiritual health. Do the things that you need to do to be balanced. 
-hmm. but make sure that you're investing your time wisely and that you're not just wasting it. If you invest the time into learning, if you have some passion and you keep chasing after things, you're going to learn a tremendous amount and that's going to make you extremely valuable to the companies who have problems that you will have the skills to solve. Excellent. Well, that's really great, Dustin. And that, that kind of really brings a lot home there. But do you have any closing thoughts you want to share before we wrap up? From my observations, Tom, there's, there's a lot of people out there who might be, as I mentioned earlier, kind of um, extrinsically motivated. They're, they're only motivated by the if-then situation. If you mm -hmm. work this much, I'll give you this bonus. Yeah. And, and there's, there's some people that are um, intrinsically motivated, right, where they want to kind of give it their best and they want to see what kind of problems that they, they can solve. Some people who are extrinsically motivated are um, believe that it's the company's uh, responsibility to send them to training, to yeah. have somebody come in and read books to them, um, to do all of these different types of things. And I would like to flip that on its head to say, no, it, it's kind of your responsibility to own your own career. Yeah. I've, I've invested a lot of time learning um, and eventually it has paid off. Um, it's paid off in some financial aspects. It's, it's paid off in satisfaction though. The impacts that I've been able to have with other people. And mm -hmm. um, when you hear people come back later on to say, thank you, it helped. So I would, I would petition people to focus on doing your best. I don't want to do the whole follow your dreams spiel. <laughs> <laughs> but, but just take the ownership of it. Yeah. And, and if you're not doing anything with it and you're fine with the salary that you're making and you have interest in other places, that's fine. Just don't complain about it. Yeah. Um, if you want to take the, you know, make the most out of the opportunities that are out there, Mm -hmm. There are tremendous opportunities out there and it's not a linear path. Yeah. If you see an opportunity, get after it. And when you solve it, people will wonder why weren't we doing that all the time? Yes. Yes. I think well, it was the movie robots that said, um, what is it? Uh, find a problem, fix a problem. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Thanks for coming on Dustin. Thanks again, Tom. Always great. If you have any questions, please email me at tom at myitcareercoach.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast. I am Tom Henriksen from My IT Career Coach, where we build great tech careers. Thanks for watching Tech Career Talk.